Hello and welcome to GIST Radio. We are a casual radio station where we broadcast when we have something to say. GIST stands for Getting the Shit Together, and we broadcast important interviews and information for artists and creatives of all kinds. For more information on GIST, please log into our website at www.gyst-ink.com, where you will find free resources, software, and publications for artists. You can email us and let us know what you would like to hear about at info at gyst-ink.com. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, listeners. I'm glad you tuned in today to hear about the collaboration of my guest artists today, Wendy DeShane and Jeff Schmooky. Wendy and Jeff created Plant Bot Genetics, a parody company that satirically looks at the possible evolution of plant species due to the consequences of modern agricultural practices, including GMOs, which we know stands for Genetically Modified Organisms. The artists created or create public interventions featuring their hybrid robotic plants, including Monsantra, one of their robotic plants that zips around. And that's a parody on the Monsanto company, at least the name is, which is the well-known American multinational biotechnology company, and it's the leading producer of genetically engineered seed. So there's a play on that. There's a lot of parody in what they do. That's one of them. Uh, Plant Bot Art Lab is their 18-foot trailer that they converted into an off-grid mobile exhibition space and classroom. I'm going to ask them about creating that and driving that around. They also have their greenhouse field labs, which are solar-powered, a solar-powered portable greenhouse for site-specific education. Uh, PlantBot has been displayed around the U.S. and the world, including such faraway places as Egypt, Austria, and Iceland. I'm going to ask them about their world travels with their project. I'm going to pause for a little full disclosure first. Um, I met Wendy. She's a friend of mine. We met around 2003 or four uh, when she was an artist in residence at uh, the Armory Art Center in West Palm Beach, Florida, where I was a program director and curator there. And we worked curatorially together, too. She was in two of my site-specific exhibitions called Showtel, where she created uh, hotel rooms, uh, multimedia hotel rooms. So I've known Wendy for a while, and I've kept abreast of her travels and her work since that time. Uh, Wendy has maintained a solid artistic practice all these years. Um, as does Jeff. They're both solo artists as well as collaborators, by the way. And I followed her um, her news, including her move to become a now-tenured professor at Auburn University in Alabama. And um, actually, I recently saw a short video piece that Wendy and Jeff posted on Facebook um, from PlantBot Genetics that was so clever and funny. It was a museum intervention piece uh, where they went into a... Uh, science museum and parody being scientists and talked about uh, genetics and, and stuff. It looked so official and yet it was so funny. And then that spurred my interest again in what they've been doing and having them on just radio. And then when I went to their two websites and um, basically saw the, the work they've been doing, I really wanted to finally get Wendy and, and Jeff on the air. Um, as well, they're currently environmental artists in residence at the McColl Center in Charlotte, North Carolina, and they're producing work for the public, 
which is nice timing to hear about that process and those projects, which they can tell me about. I know they just had some public exhibition there. So let me welcome them now so you can hear from them and not just me. Um, hi, Wendy and Jeff. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hi, you guys. Thanks for being on here. We have so much to talk about. So what I'd like to do, though, is start by kind of from square one. Like, how did this collaboration get started? I know I'm going to – I'm gonna. Um, kind of rat you out and tell you tell the tell our audience that you are a couple both personally and professionally, which I find very interesting. I think it's hard to have two people be able to collaborate in life and work so uh beautifully as you guys do. So I guess my question is, you know, what came first? Their relationship or the work or both? Like how did that get started? Wendy, hi, nice to have you on, Wendy. Tell me about <laughs> around 2009 when you and Jeff met and started working together. Well, I had been living in Alabama, and so I was uh, attending residencies whenever I could in the summer because I Alabama, there's not a large art community, and I was very lonely. And so I was using residencies as a way to connect to my community, uh, you know, groups of artists and uh, talk about ideas and uh, art and things that keep an artist healthy. And I was in Connecticut, and Jeff was on the same residency that I was. Uh, it's a place called I Park in Connecticut. And we instantly hit it off, and we probably we started working together on a project, a, another project we have that we work on collaboratively with, uh, a projection project. And uh, we were projecting... Uh, images of disaster onto intact forests up there with an off-grid projector. So we we were already off-grid. And I don't know, it was just such a magical and beautiful space, and we really liked each other. And the next thing, you know, it all kind of merged at the same time. Uh, we became partners in life and partners in work pretty quickly. <laughs> That's wonderful. It, it, it seems to work quite seamlessly. And by the way, I have seen those images that you and Jeff have made, the disaster images projected into forest land uh, and, and different kinds of environments. They are Stunning! I think they're so so beautiful, and um, I, I love seeing those. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to do a list of about the ten websites the two of you um, have together at the end of the show <laughs> because you do have you have your personal websites, you have the uh, website for for that series, you have a website for plant bot genetics, you have a website for Montantra. Did I miss any websites that you have? No, it's, we just found that we were confusing people by having them all in one place or having the projects, you know, together on one site. So by separating the sites, we can direct people to one project at a time. And it doesn't confuse curators as much, you know. That's smart. No, that's smart because each each collaboration is so rich and specific and 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 theme based. I think that's a really really smart thing. So, um, Jeff, why don't you jump in here and tell me a little bit about how did you and Wendy become interested in making work about GMOs and the environment? Like, how did that idea come about and you know come start to to go in that direction with the work? Well, I. And, uh, I went to Hurricane Katrina and had been missing my garden. I didn't know how important it was until it was gone. And my practice has been changing ever since, uh, being on the road and the like. When you're mobile, your practice has to change. And I was in a residency up in, up in Galesburg, Illinois, outside of Monsanto Research Station. And I was curious. I really didn't know too much about Monsanto. I knew they were controversial, and so I decided to 
dress up as a farmer and go to one of their farmer appreciation sales pitch days. <laughs> and uh, I, I I didn't wrap myself out or anything. I, it was hard to stay quiet, but they weren't fully honest about some of their processes. And, and the farmers won't yield, but it's yield at any cost. And they said, Monsanto said what they were doing was no different from what Mendel did, and we know better. So from that, Wendy came to visit, and I had some seed that Monsanto gave me. And we started growing it, and we took it out of the container it was growing in and sat it down just to look at it because the seeds are pre-coated with colored pre-emergent insecticides, pesticides, and it looked like it could get up and walk. And she she said, well, we should put it on a remote control base, a car. And I thought it was a little silly, but I went along with it, and I'm glad I did because once we took it out of the studio into public space, the public loved it. They reacted to it, and it began uh, as a way to introduce, hey, do you know there's this company that is right in your backyard and this is what's happening to our food supply? So that right. was the beginning of plant pot genetics and Monsantra. That's great. I, you know, it is the the objects that you make that are basically half live plant and half robot, remote control. Some of them talk, some of them sing. You take them out in the community, you make them run around. I mean, it is so funny, and I find it really cool how you're how you're using parody as a vehicle to get people to watch and and connect. And the the laughter, you know, that that comes after realizing you know, that this is a big parody is, uh, again, I think a great way to engage people. I want to ask you about the website. Wendy, I'm going to ask you, do you, Wendy, I think you do all your websites, don't you? Yes. Yeah, I, I try yes. my hardest. <laughs> You're good. You're really good. Um, so the Plant Bot Genetics website, when you first come upon it, if you don't know anything about it, it looks very official. It looks like a real company that deals in these plants. I mean, it takes like a few minutes of investigating and going deeper until you come upon some of the images and things that make you realize that it is a parody. And then at that point, it's just so funny. Um, so I'm wondering if you could talk about that, that fine line that you're playing with making it look official, kind of, you know, impersonating and uh, like impersonating the farmer goes into impersonating this company that looks real and then kind of hitting people around in, the, in, in another way. Just talk about the decision of making work that way. Well, to start, we are professionals. Uh, so, you know, is there much of a difference between being a professional artist and being a professional um, anything? So we already knew how to present ourselves professionally, so it was just kind of like twisting it into, well, instead of artists, we're going to present ourselves as an agricultural company. Um, and there's, I mean, I have limitations in how well I can actually do that, so I try my best, you know, but I'd like to have a real stock ticker on that, and I would like to even be more um, convincing uh, so that we looked like this large agricultural company uh, even more so so it was harder to find out because I think that if you get people engaged and you kind of trick them or you um, play with their um, perceptions a little bit you you 
what you're saying can be so much more impactful. You can really uh, affect them in a way that, you know, if you're just sitting on a soapbox and saying, don't do this or think about that, nobody listens to you. But if you can get people mentally engaged somehow, either with humor or by tricking them and going, oh, they got me, um, in a fun and good-humored way for the greater good of the knowledge that you're trying to present, I think that's the, the that's where art is. That's where, you know, art that's where being a creative mind can really make the art um, more, just bring it more to home to somebody. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, it does. Jess, have you ever, I mean, have you ever gotten in trouble, so to speak, for the parody? Or what about, you know, that just that moment of people's confusion, realization, and the aha moment, and then they, you know, really probably fully engaged. Do you have any good stories about that? Well, I think uh, there, for instance, while in Galesburg, I mean, there it is a there are farmers around, and we had a few through, and obviously a few were pro uh, genetically modified food, and you know maybe it is a great technology, but it's not transparent. And our goal as Plant Pot Genetics is to promote discussion. So even if people don't uh, agree with our uh, method, uh, they do laugh. I have never, we have never encountered anyone who didn't get, think it was funny in some way. And and that's a very level field to begin a discussion on. If you can involve humor, uh, and it, it's a great way to begin a discussion because it's a safe place. Absolutely. I'm curious, too, because you've taken this project around the world in different residencies and had exhibitions, do you find a different reaction in different places of the world? Well, that's a great question. Yes. I think when we were in Italy, uh, and their food system has worked for for thousands of years, you know, a little farmer's market in each community, and people have a personal relationship with where their food comes from and who produces it. But I mean, I don't speak Italian, uh, and and Wendy, you know, she gets by. But the great thing about this project, it goes beyond verbal. It, it goes beyond language. Uh, you can see it, and you know instantly it's funny. Now it's great to have a translator there to explain what this is about uh, in a deeper way. But uh, children would walk right up and start eating some of the plants. I mean, it was wheatgrass, oh. and it wasn't going to hurt them. Uh, but I, I mean, and that actually happened in Korea as well. Uh, and adults find they see it, and we're curious beings. We want to know if we see a uh, a plant rolling down the street, or or seeing a. a a song that's been in popular culture for the last 30, 40 years, people get it. They just understand, hey, this is this is funny. Uh, and then we, if they want to engage us on a deeper level, so be it. We'll we'll give them the information to be to make wise uh, decisions as consumers. But many people are just as happy just to drive it or operate it and have fun with it, play with it, experience it, and the Plant Pot Art Lab, and that's okay as well. Right. 
Right, absolutely. Oh, but you mentioned the Plant Bot Art Lab. So let's talk about that because, I mean, you've been quite mobile, uh, to use that term, with the project. You, Like I said, you've been all around the world, including Egypt, Austria, Iceland. You mentioned Korea, Italy. It's really wonderful that you've been able to take this project uh, all over. But you also have this urge to be mobile on another level, which is literally locally mobile, because you took a 18-foot trailer and – and turned it into the Plant Bot Art Lab. So, Wendy, tell me about the decision to do that and kind of what went into doing that. It's a huge project. Well, we, we both believe that art can exist anywhere, and we are strong believers that um, art should exist outside of uh, traditional gallery systems and exhibition spaces. So we were both looking for ways to bring art into uh, spaces where art wouldn't ne- naturally occur or wouldn't you wouldn't expect art to be, and we were doing that with the with the robot plants and uh, with our with other projects in our own work. But we wanted to kind of up the ante and make it even a grander, more theatrical experience. And so the easiest way to, we thought to do that would would be to create this trailer, which basically it's like an exhibition on wheels or a workshop or, a, or an art lab on wheels, and it can go anywhere there's a road. So the limitations um, are basically a road, and we can pull over. We don't have to be invited. We can just set up. But we can have people come through it in a Walmart parking lot, or we can go to a schoolyard parking lot uh, with or without an invitation. And that really empowered us in getting our message out there. Um, you know, most artists want to be heard. They want their whatever they're doing, they want people to to have that conversation with them. And so we're trying to create these methods that breaks down how an artist can get to an audience. And, you know, if this big, it's bright yellow, it glows, it's all off-grid, you know, and it has um, – all these lights in it and video screens. So this rolls up into your neighborhood. The the back door goes down. The door comes open. And we just invite anybody to come through and play with all the projects inside or watch the videos or just have a conversation with us. That's theatrical. And that gets people curious. And that's really the key for most of the things we do. We try to make something visually exciting or visually um an experience that people want to be engaged with so that they'll come and talk to us. And so we're trying to uh, we're trying all these different methods just to get people to have a, this this very important conversation about our food system that we believe in. That's great. I also see a lot of images. Like you, community engagement is really important to you. I can tell. I mean, you really in, with the shows, you can see that having people interact physically workshops, et cetera, is really important. So um, just talk about that a little bit, about just how you feel community engagement and what kind of levels do you do that with with the work? Well, I think, again, going off what Wendy mentioned is why the street tactics and interventions that we employ, it's a, it is about reaching an audience without uh, – uh, it's a more direct way for us to reach an audience and we love the fact that we can show up anywhere at any time and do something. And I think it's just, I like that directness and I like the performance aspect. You know, we both, Wendy and I both teach and it's, it's working with the students that most interests us. And it's for me, 
the performance aspect of standing before an audience, and I've always been interested in that. So that bringing arts and education to community despite any level of support uh, is important to us, and it seems like the best way without any intermediary to get the message out there. And we feel very strongly about where our food comes from and, and having transparency in our food production and who do, we all need to eat, uh, who doesn't have a favorite food that they can rattle off. And usually it's not just one, it's several. And decisions are being made at such a fast rate and they're being made without any input. So this is to take the message to the people. That's our primary goal, to create discussion with the folks who they see us pull up in this bright yellow trailer. They see these light. We do not a lot of light uh, things because we can. We're not limited to the plug in the wall. We're off-grid. So we can go anywhere at any time, and there's freedom in that. We're not bound by a schedule, and I, I just that's exciting to us. That is exciting. That is exciting. I would love to experience it. I want to actually pause and kind of like maybe it's taking a step backward for a second because with my show, I think a lot of artists are listening who are getting hopefully inspired by people doing things like yourselves, you know, really making things happen in a DIY practice kind of way. And I like to get into some of the nitty-gritty, like, questions that some people may not usually ask in, like, this interview. You're talking so articulately about the, the concepts and the visuals of the work, which I'm, you know, really fascinated by as the audience is. What I'm also fascinated by is something like, where did you get the money to get that art lab produced? How did that come about? I mean, literally, that is a huge project. The the, the nitty gritty behind it. The did you get a grant? Did you? How did you raise the money to do to create this amazing mobile art lab slash exhibition space, Wendy? Uh, well, it's it, this is where being a team helps because there's two of us, so we can put our resources together. Um, on, on our own, we could never have done this project. A, we could never have afforded it, and it's kind of bigger than what we could do on ourselves. So being a team really helps us. Uh, so we basically put all our resources together. It's, it's, it's about piecing a whole bunch of different things together, A, our own resources. And I like to joke that basically the trailer is our retirement fund. Um, and, you know, if there's no food to eat when we retire, well, it doesn't matter anyway, so we might as well put the money in the trailer and try and, you know, be an activist and change the way our world's going. Um, so and you can live in the trailer if you have no money. Yeah, you know, later you can retire and live in the trailer. That, that's one way to do it too, right? <laughs> right. So I mean, it, it, it's I say that half jokingly, but it's true because basically all our money goes into this project because we believe in it so much. But also, um, we we when we first put the trailer together, we did one thing that I think uh, your audience would be interested in, is we said we had it before we did. So it really forced us to come up with it because people started booking it before we had it realized, which was really put the pressure on us to try and find ways to make it together. So we, we booked it, and we got a small amount of money from all the places we booked it at um, in the more traditional settings. And then we knew how much was coming in there, and then we put our own resources together there. And so we just kind of kept cobbling all of these different things together to build it. Um, and since 
the first manifestation of it was a little simpler than it is now. And this summer, we were fortunate, and we uh, there was funding for us at the McColl Center, so we've been able to, you know, uh, trick it out a little bit more, build upon it. But we started with what we could afford in the very basis, the basics that we could do, and then we built on it slowly as more money comes in. So now it is much more fabulous than it was two years ago, for instance. Right. It is quite fabulous. I want people to go to your website, Plant Pot Genetics, and, and look at images of it for sure. Um, can we all, well, you, talk, you mentioned Nicole. So you're both in residency together there now as, as the, quote, environmental artist resident. So, Jess, how did that residency come about? Like, is that a term that they looked for? Did you propose it? And tell me a little bit about what you're doing at the McColl. Well, uh, this, you know, most residencies, it's a, it's, it's a residency that does support the artists very well. I mean, we have a condo right across the street. And they provide artist stipend. And as environmental artists and residents, we're required to go out into the community and, and have uh, engagement. And that's something we already do. So it was a great fit for us. But we applied several years ago. And uh, we, you know, it just so happened our schedule worked this time around. So we're here and it's a, it's a project, the Moth Project, which focuses on bee decline, our bees are dying, and we don't know why. We have several ideas why, but no firm one. I think it's a combination of several factors. But in order to discuss the bees, we focus on second shift pollinators. Second shift pollinators are insects that pollinate not as well as the bees because nothing will replace the honeybee, but there are other insects, such as moths, that do pollinate. And so we're playing a what-if scenario. If the bees disappear, what do we have to do to produce our food for the population we have? So we go out into the community at night, set up these off-grid light gardens, and the garden itself is mobile and rolls around. And it being so well lit with the solar panel sitting out, people see it from a distance across the street, and they're curious. They want to. They come up and they start discussing. And hey, what is this? Is that a solar panel? Is that driving all the lights? What are these big white tents here? Do you need a home? Something like that. And so, uh, it's a way of beginning a discussion by talking about moths and second shift pollinators. Why bees are so important. That's great. It sounds like a wonderful project for sure. What about your greenhouse field labs? I find those to be quite interesting. Where have you placed those greenhouses for uh, site-specific projects, Wendy? Uh, the main place we've placed those so far has been up in the Catskills Mountains, uh, up in the Smoky Mountains up there. It's been be it's beautiful area, and we were on a residency again. We work with a lot of residencies programs because it allows us to move the project around and engage new audiences. And you know, you you often need a place to live when you're moving around. Um, so uh, we were in a residency program up there, and. Uh, we didn't have the trailer yet, and it was kind of a precursor to the trailer. So this was created with two-by-fours and a shed-making kit that Jeff had discovered and plastic, and we could build it 
uh, it goes together in about half a day and comes down in about half a day. Uh, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't as large as the trailer. Um, but it does allow us to go into places without a road, which you cut back on the amount of people who will see it unless you bring the people uh, to it. But it does allow for much more remote kind of interaction with nature, which I, we're both very interested in because the the project being about the environment, it's important that we not just talk about the environment from the the streets of the city. Um, so it allows us to go out and interact uh, with very remote uh, areas. Um, as long as we can hike it in, uh, it can be set up. And now with the mod tents that we've been working with, they're even more portable, so we can go on much longer hikes and uh, monitor uh, different insects in the area. And, you know, since we started the moth project, I, I'm just floored at how beautiful the normal moth that we usually take for granted is. So the really cool thing about many of our projects is we learn from them. Uh, we learn as much as the people that we're talking to. Uh, and people come up to us all the time and, and tell us things we didn't know about what we're doing. Um, so I really enjoy that kind of engagement both with the environment and with different people who know different aspects about the environment. Uh, it's all very, uh, it, it's just very exciting for us. Yes, I, you are. You two have such a full schedule. I, I'm not sure how you fit it all in. I know during summers, because you're both professors, um, full-time professors. Wendy, you're at Auburn University, and Jeff, where are you again? I'm at Georgia Southern out in Statesboro, Georgia. And you both teach uh, studio art, and uh, are you both studio art teachers? That's correct. Yes. Okay, and so during the year, because I mean, you live in different states uh, during the during this whole year. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have five hours between us, and we have what is known as the two-body problem in academia. Uh, it's hard to get a full-time position at at the same university or college, so we do manage, and it's, it, it's not something we want to do forever, but uh, we believe in the future it will remedy itself. Although I must say, okay, this is, I'm not Dr. Laura, ex but I will throw out there, perhaps that distance helps a little. I mean, actually, you guys, you know, you collaborate on so much intensive work and, you know, and you're a couple and, you know, maybe a little space helps sometimes, huh, Wendy? You know what I'm talking about, huh, girl, girl? <laughs> Well, we've only we've only been doing this for a year, so we'll we'll, we'll get back to you. We were living together for the previous three years, <laughs> and, and it was working fine. I think I think I prefer uh, I prefer living together than living apart for sure. If I had to pick, it's just nice to oh, have. Sure. Um, it, it's just nice to have your partner around, you know. And I just think of all the resources we are wasting driving back and forth to see each other. Um, you know, but both our time, because it's 10 hours a week to visit for one of us, you know, I think five hours there and five hours back, and then the resources and gas. But, I mean, that's not sustainable. It's not a sustainable situation, and we, we understand right. that. Uh, so we are looking actively in ways that we can make it a sustainable situation. But for now, uh, you know, we're both grateful to have uh, Skype tenure track jobs, which are getting rarer and rarer and rarer, and that's a whole other conversation about uh, the, the problems in academia. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry I jumped in there. I thought you were going to say, thank goodness we have Skype. 
Oh, well, yeah, thank goodness for that, too. We can watch movies together still. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> well, you, you, two are being, you two are being quite successful uh, on all fronts, and I really congratulate you. I love your work. I'm going to keep following it. I hope others get tuned into it, and they look up your website, plantbotgenetics.com, and the others. And uh, just tell us what's next for Plantbot Genetics, Wendy. Well, next summer we are uh, going to Amsterdam and uh, Finland. So that's very, very exciting. Um, we'll probably be doing uh, the Moth Project in Amsterdam. And in fin Finland we're doing uh, plant bot, uh, in several plant bot interventions. Um, uh, so it's very cool that people believe in what we're doing enough to invite us to places that are exciting for us to go to, um, as well as, yep. you know, places that, you know, are just down the road. It, it's, I, I think that speaks to the success of what we're talking about and that people actually really want to talk about this and people want to know what they can do. And that's really important to us, that we don't just go to these places and say this is what's wrong. We try and empower people with what they can do in their own backyard. So, for instance, with the bees, yes, the bees are on decline, Well, and there's all of these reasons of why they're in decline, but what can you do? Well, you can plant, you know, a strip of wildflowers along your fence that are native to the area. And so the bees have, like, you know, even if it's a one-foot strip along eight feet of fence, that's wildflowers that the bees can utilize and use that people don't realize that it can be that simple a change that can start making a difference. If everybody did that, think of how many more native plants there would be and food for the bees. So... We try, and it's very important that whatever we do, we try and leave people with, with tools that they can utilize to immediately impact their own situation. Well, that is incredible. And, uh, it must feel really good, and especially that you're doing it. You're doing it through art. You know, you're, you're doing it through art that is so well produced and you know so highly you know high concept. It, that's a really wonderful balance. I really uh, admire both of you for being able to to pull it all off. I want to thank you both for being on the show, and I hope to talk to you soon. And I'll keep uh, I'll keep in touch with what you all are doing. Great. It's oh, it's been, been great, great to talk to you, Sarah. Thanks for inviting us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for coming and talking with, with us today, and I hope the audience enjoyed it as well. I want to just tell our audience that we are brought to you by GIST, Inc., a company that's dedicated to helping artists have the resources to do things, make their practice in a DIY fashion, just like Wendy and Jeff are doing. So please log on to gyst-ink.com. There's hundreds and hundreds of pages of free resources on all of the aspects of one's career that you might need to focus on and get more organized with, etc. So hopefully you will do that, and hopefully you will have a nice day. Thank you for being with us.